podcast of Conduit Church. We're a community of Christ followers committed to action. We meet in the Thompson Station area just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about what's going on with Conduit here in the Nashville area or around the world, please go to conduitmission.org. You cannot hide the I don't know if you've felt it this past week, this past month, but there's a lot of unsettlement in the world right now. And that unsettling isn't just in places like Israel and Gaza and Syria and Iraq. There's unsettling in Williamson County. There's unsettling around us, whether it's in the political or in the the career. There's just this unsettling in us. And I wonder if that part of it might be the amount of information that's flying at us these days. I don't know if you know this, but if you had one edition of the New York Times in your hand, you will have more information in your hand than a person in the 1600s would have encountered in their entire lifetime from one issue of the New York Times. And most of the people I know don't even read the New York Times because they've got the internet, and it's instant, and it's everywhere. And there's this flow of information, a flow of opinions that are just flying at us. And a lot of times that information is uh, at the 30,000-foot view. There's opinions, there's videos, and then some of it is at your local level. You post up, I don't know if you've done this lately, but you post up if you're uh, on, on the Facebook about being sick. You'll get some people praying for you, and then you'll get a lot of uh, advice of things you should do. And oftentimes it will conflict, <laughs> right? You get, and and it's, it's all meant as good stuff, and I, and I don't necessarily inherently, I'm not suggesting that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that there's so much information that I think that what happens or can happen, maybe is happening, is that there is this amount of peace that God promised us that I don't know that we feel because of where we are getting our information. If I were to give a title to my message, and I'm not necessarily a title guy, but I would say that today the theme of where I feel like God has taken me right now, and I'd like to invite you on this journey, is if you really want rest, then we need to believe the best. Now, I know that sounds bumper stickery, but I think there's some truth to it. I was reading this week in Job, and you know, you think you had a bad week. I mean, if the, if the boils weren't bad enough, the guy lost his employees, he lost his family, he lost his, his animals, which was his food. His, he lost everything. And what I was intrigued by, considering information flying at us and information maybe more so than even inspiration, was that Job, after all these things that happened, talks about these three friends in Job chapter 2, verse 11. It says that his uh, his three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, and each came from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, Zophar the Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. When they raised their eyes from afar, they didn't even recognize him. And they lifted their voices and they wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. And so they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word. 
for they saw that his grief was very great. David Holderman made a statement this week that sometimes the greatest wisdom is made in silence, is when you say nothing. And that's where Job's friends started. And for seven days, they were off to a great start. They were about to be a part of a great story. They about, to, they about had a great story going. And then they opened their big mouth. I hate it when I open my big mouth. I did that not long ago. Actually, I was sitting at a, a table with some friends, some that I knew, some that I didn't, some from my past in the music industry. And there was a young lady sitting on this side of me, and she was, had just moved here, and she had all this ideas, and she was actually uh, interning for a, a producer here in town. And she asked me uh, if I had any advice about the music business. I'm like, advice about the music business? Of course I do. I'm full of opinions about the music business. So I shot my mouth off. <laughs> and, I, and here's the thing. I actually said stuff that I thought was pretty true. I was talking about how at the, at the bottom end of the music rung right now, there are thousands of bands and guys that are literally a one-way ticket to basically being provided for by your parents for the rest of your life. And on the other end, there are these old guys with their AOL email addresses <laughs> trying to control the... AOL, for you young kids, in the old days. We, no, seriously, this happened. You used to have to uh, hit a button, and then a little phone would dial. You'd, fl- you'd plug your phone into the wall or your computer, and then people call you. would be busy because you were on the, on, the, on the Internet. And it would make this noise. And then, if, and then what would happen is if you had the mail, it would say, You've got mail. You might, you might have seen the movie, you remember? And so... That was how the old days when you had to get the, uh, the internet, that's how you did it. And so you would have random you know, names like Darren Rocks at AOL.com because your name would be gone. And so these old guys, I'm saying these old guys have AOL email accounts still, and they're the ones controlling it, and they don't even understand the technology. And, and there was a moment of tense that just sort of formed. Now, I thought it was tense because... There were all these. There was a couple of young bands there, and one of them was about to be his father-in-law. And I made that comment about that his dad was going to have to basically provide for him the rest of his life. So I'm thinking that's what you know. But no, no, I, I thought I had one foot in my mouth. As it turns out, I had another foot in my mouth uh, because the young lady that had asked me the question was Nikki Case, whose father was is Steve Case, founder of America Online. This is a true story. <laughs> Statistically speaking, I don't know what the chances of that are. <laughs> but they're pretty low. <laughs> now, the good news is, is uh, Nikki stuck around and she visited our church a few times. While she was here, she's moved back to Virginia. But it was a moment of awkwardness where I realized that, Darren, sometimes you just got to keep your big mouth shut. Because, well, that's not helpful. And when I look at Job, his three friends show up. They could have, it was a perfect opportunity to be good and to be awesome and to have this great story. And then they open their big mouth. And what ends up happening between Job chapter you know, four-ish and all the way up to chapter 41, it almost reads like, if you've been a part of this, you might know what I'm talking about. One of those Facebook chat things, threads, where it's just literally... Some guy writes 18 paragraphs, and then the other guy will write another 18-paragraph rebuttal. Then someone else will pop their head in and another two paragraphs. And ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) 
But before you know it, that's it. And I've participated in those. I'm not proud of that. Because sometimes I'm thinking, well, they just didn't understand me right. And if I explained it better, then they'll... But no, no, they understood. They just didn't agree. That was a big realization for me. But when you look at what happens between Job chapter 4 and Job chapter 40, is it's them going back and forth saying, well, Job, you really, here's what happened, and here's why this is happening. If you would just do this, this would all be better for you. And then Job would respond. At one point, he's like, man, miserable companies you guys are. You guys, you came to a comfort. Well, you're not very good at that comfort thing. This is, you're, you're terrible at that. Back and forth, back and forth. And I realized as I read that again with fresh eyes that that's kind of where we find ourselves. And sometimes it's even factually correct. Like some of what Job's friend said theologically was not far off. And some of it was right on. And yet God was like, all right. You guys, go to a corner, sackcloth and ashes, think about what you've done. Chapter 42, he rebukes him. He says, after the Lord, in verse 7, had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my wrath is aroused against you. Look, I am over it right now with you and your friends. For you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, therefore... Take for yourself seven bulls. He commands them to do this sacrifice. And it says in verse 9 that Eliphaz and Bildad and Shuite, uh, the Shuite Zophar, went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And in verse 10, and the Lord restored Job's losses. If you're an underliner, if you're a note taker, if you're a thinker, that word when really jumped out at me this week. When he prayed for his friends. Indeed, it talks about what happened. The Lord gave more than what he'd had and all those things. But at that moment, something there's a switch there that really went off in my mind. Why did God rebuke them? What was it about their information that made God so angry? And I wonder if in the same way that my foot was in my mouth, because I'm sitting there running my mouth in front of the family that started this very technology that they're running their mouth in front of the very God of the universe, not even considering what he might think or care or what he's up to. Their both feet were in their mouth. And they were doing something, and my kids are in here, they know that one of the things that is very frustrating as a father for me is when one of them decides, I'm going to be mom or dad and do your job for you, right? That's, dad doesn't like that, right? That's frowned upon in our house. Um, because it's basically saying, hey, Dad, I appreciate your enthusiasm. I got this one. I'll discipline your child for you. I will correct your child. I'll help your child. And that just hits me in this weird spot in my heart. And what we say is, hey, you guys, you know, take it easy, because someday you're going to have all the time in the world to get to do that with your own children. And it's not as much fun as it sounds like. So just relax and enjoy it. Make sure yeah, Mom and Dad got this one handled. I wonder if what happened here was that God was looking to these three friends saying, hey, I got this. You guys need to shut it. I got this handled. And I wonder if what they meant to do, because here's the thing, I think that they, his friends weren't jerks. They weren't inherently bad people. Obviously, they sat there for seven days and seven nights and, and wept with him and didn't say a word because they knew that's what he needed. But at some point, they thought, I'm going to be helpful now. I, my friend needs help, and I'm going to help him. And instead of asking God what he thought or asking God, there's no evidence that they prayed. It's just they just started running their mouth. And I think that sometimes we're seeking information and not 
inspiration. That Jesus didn't say, come unto my information, to this information age, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and that will bring you peace. He said, come unto me. And I believe that there's a promise here for us, whether it's at the macro level and you're like me and like, you know, Roger's in here, we're news junkies. I, I am fascinated with what's going on in the world right now and how it all connects and with prophecy. And obviously Gary Fisher's in here this morning. He could school us for hours on what God is doing right now. And I get fascinated, but then all of a sudden I start getting a little wound up and I start getting a little uneasy. And when I do that, what I can know in my heart is that I have now stopped going unto the Prince of Peace and I've started going to me, information for my thing to try to figure it out. And that's true again at the macro level or even at our our local level with each other. That if you're not feeling peace this morning in your heart, there may be something in this for us. If you are not dispensing peace this morning, What an awesome privilege, not even a responsibility, a privilege that we can get to dispense peace, to give peace. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. That means that I can bring life to you or death to you with what I'm saying, what I'm writing. But it also means that I can receive life or death by what I am receiving, by what I am exposing myself to. And when I think about the world right now, it's, a, it's an unsettling place. There's some crazy stuff going on. And I want you to know there's some stuff locally, even politically, that is probably right when I read it or I hear it. I think that's right. That's a good point. And yet, there's enough of it machine gunning back and forth and suddenly the body of Christ isn't unified. We're fractured. Suddenly families aren't unified. They're fractured. So much information so much, and I wonder if this, this morning, and if you don't hear anything else, dial in for just this, because I think there's a truth here. I think there's a promise here. I know there's a promise, and I know there's truth. That had Job's friends have got their foot out of their mouth and pointed not to themselves as the dispenser of information, but to Yahweh, Jehovah, the dispenser of inspiration, of in. Uh, enlightenment and excitement and energy and passion and the Holy Spirit. And so, if instead of pointing to that, they're pointing to just these, the information. Paul in Philippians, and if you could go there, I would love for you to read this. Paul lived in a world that was not unlike our world in that actually where he was at was maybe more similar to what's going on in Iraq than what is going on here in America. Christians were being hauled off and executed and burned and tortured. And he had, he had actually participated in some of that himself. And here he is in prison, and he's writing these words from prison. This would be as if Pastor Saeed wrote us a letter. And if you are a part of our fellowship, I hope you'll join us on September 26th on the steps of the state capitol as we are hosting the, one of the locations for the second prayer vigil for not only Pastor Saeed, but for persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. But this letter would be more like coming from somebody like him than maybe someone like me. And from prison, he, would be, he was able to say, actually, and I'm going to start in verse 6. I didn't plan to, but be anxious for nothing. Now, if I'm in prison, I'm anxious about everything. If I'm in a prison like he was in, I'm super anxious about it. I'm freaking out a little bit even. 
But he says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. When was it that Job found peace? When was it that Job's friends would ultimately find peace? When he prayed. Let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That's important because information is all about me trying to understand it. Now look, I don't think that there's anything wrong with trying to understand stuff. I'm not saying that. But I am saying there are things going on in our world, in your life, in your family, that maybe you can't quite comprehend because there is a God above it all. I mean, I'd love for Jesus to come back today, but boy, I sure don't like some of the prophecy that has to be fulfilled. So I'd rather him come back without all that. And he says, you're not going to understand it because I'm not offering you a piece that didn't come from understanding. It's going to surpass it. In fact, when Job, when God finally got them done in chapter 41... What he was saying to these young men, maybe the old men, I don't know, who had their foot in their mouth was, chapter 41, did you put the Leviathan in the sea? Did you put the stars in the sky? Read that whole chapter. God didn't even explain himself. He just read him his resume. And it wasn't that he was trying to hold out on him. I don't believe. It was him saying, if you've got little children, little babies, there are certain things that they can have and can't have. And there are reasons for it. But if you're two, you don't care. I want it and I want it now. I don't understand why I can have candy in this time and not candy in that time. And it freaks you out and you're upset. And there is something in your life that surpasses that understanding. And you can, we've, I've used this metaphor, it's worth revisiting. That when my kids, when you guys were little, we would go to Minnesota. And unfortunately, when you're two, you get in the car seat. That could either mean a 20-minute drive to the grocery store or a 14-hour drive to Minneapolis. And you don't even know. There's nowhere else in the world where you can strap a kid, tie him to a chair for 14 hours and not get thrown in jail except your car. (laughs) And some of my children did really well in that situation. They would sleep and be fine. And others was like, we were taking a a pterodactyl to Minneapolis. Like, what is, you know, it's not fair. I'm freaking out. I'm two. I don't know why. And listen, I could have pulled over and explained it all day long. And it didn't matter because at that point, their brains were not wired to understand that. And what I believe was happening with Job and his three friends, what's happening with you and with me, is there are things happening, whether it's in Israel or in your home, that are beyond your understanding. And he's not holding out because he doesn't want you to know. It's because your brain isn't wired there yet. When he says someday, we talked about it, I will, someday I will fully know as I am fully known. That's true. And in that moment, this is the peace that passes understanding, is one that says, I don't understand this right now, but I don't have to have peace. I don't have to understand it to have peace. And if that's your expectation, it's a false one. And if your desire to have understanding is so you can understand the times we live in and know what to do, that's awesome. If your desire to have understanding is so you can uh, control the situation, and you can, it's just not going to happen. And there are those moments between you and my reality and God's reality that I can't get to, and the cross is the only bridge between those two. Because I can look at a situation like Job, and I know that it says that Satan did it, but I don't understand why God didn't stop it. But what I do know is that God is good because he became man, because he died on a cross in a brutal way. He took the pain and suffering that I should have had for me, and that means that God is good. Whatever else I don't understand, I can always take it back to the cross. And he says that that piece of the passes understanding, listen to this, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
That peace will guard your hearts and your minds. All this information being thrown at us, medical information, political information, social information, church information. I'm not going to understand it all. There's too much. But I don't have to because there's a piece that was promised that goes beyond that. And the way that it comes is this, verse 8. And this is where I believe that if Job's friends had known this and worked on this, we can know this. We can work on this in our lives. That if, finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, all those things he just said, do. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. There are times when I say things that are true, but they're not lovely. I don't believe these are mutually exclusive items. I believe they're intertwined with each other. Because there are some things that you could say that are lovely, but they're not true. That's flattery. It's deceit. It's lying. And yet there are things you could say that are true, but that are not a love, and they're not noble, and they're harsh, and they're crunchy. It's like walking on raked leaves with you. Because it's true. And some of us, that's the thing. Well, I, like, I just speak my mind. I just, that's how I am. I just tell the truth. Yeah, but you, but you missed pure and lovely and a good report and virtue. If it fits, this morning I had some coffee. Did you have the coffee this morning? What didn't you have this morning, hopefully, was coffee grounds. Okay? Because those are filtered. The, the water goes through that, and everything that comes out the other side is coffee, and what, comes, what doesn't is the little ground. It's, it's not like crunchy. You're not chewing your coffee this morning. And this is a filter that if I will meditate on this, if I will not only take it in, but this is what I'm giving out, the only thing that comes out the other side is 100% Colombian goodness. Goodness, coffee, Guatemalan blend, coffee on the other side. It's Jesus. This is the filter. He says, if you leave everything behind that isn't true and lovely, there's a, a comedian, a Craig Ferguson, that said one of his filters, I learned this from, from David Holderman as well, um, I just, I literally, I sit at his feet Indian style and he just dispenses wisdom. <laughs> Crisscross, applesauce. But he's, this comedian that David said was, he made the comment one night that, uh, he, I guess it was like his fourth marriage or third marriage. He said, what I learned was that there's this little filter. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? Does it need to be said right now by me? And those three things, if I go through that filter, can save me a lot of trouble. <laughs> and this is a guy that, as far as I know, doesn't know the Lord. But in this vignette, this Philippians, I believe, is that. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? Does it need to be said right now by me? If I put it through this filter, I think about half the stuff I'm shooting my mouth off about won't come out anymore. But it was true. It was right. I just wanted him to know. I'm getting ready to land this thing, but there was a, a story of King Josiah. I think it's Second Chronicles. And he looked up at the north, the kingdom that was no longer his kingdom, and there was a battle raging. And he said, I want to go and fight that war. And God told him, Josiah, do not meddle around in battles that are not yours to fight. 
And so many times where I get in trouble is when I look at someone else's battle and I go fight that one. God said the battle belongs to the Lord. He doesn't, I'm going to say this, he actually doesn't even need defending. Incidentally, when he went, he had the chance to defend himself, chapter 41 of Job. He had the chance to say, this is what happened, Job. He didn't even tell him it was the devil. He didn't even say that. And I think I can look at God's use, and I'm saying this for me and for you, if, it's, if it resonates with you, I believe that there is a peace that passes understanding that can be ours in Christ Jesus. When I put down my rocks, when I put down my opinions and put down my stuff and go back and say, is it true, is it noble, is it lovely, does it have a good report? The stuff that I'm putting in on the news sites that I'm on, is it true? Yeah, but is it noble? Uh uh-huh. Is it honest? That's the word actually is honest. Is it of a, and the word honest actually goes back to the actual false witness where sometimes it's the right information, the wrong implication. Is it that? And if that's what is constantly happening in my life, if I am scrolling more than I am praying, I think that the balance is out of whack. And my hope for us as a body is what could it be like if this morning, if you, if I, Just this week, just today, I don't complain for the next 24 hours. If I see that a friend is in need, that I don't necessarily bring information first, I just bring inspiration, I just bring him a hug and the Holy Spirit. And if the the Lord asks you to say something, by all means. But let's be like what Jesus was. It says that he didn't do or say anything that the Father didn't tell him to do and say. Check with the Father before I speak. Check with this filter, because I know if it doesn't fit through this filter, then already it's not, it's, I can't even go there. To each other, parents to your children. Children to your parents, to each other. One of the greatest, the internet is not a bad thing. We've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for causes all over the world, but Just like anything, there's the law of unintended consequences. And what happens with our technology now, especially if you're young, is you can say things in text messages to each other. And some of you guys know you do this because I've got daughters. They're just not nice. They're harsh. Teenagers, I want you to look at me right now this week. Before you hit send on that text message, I want you to ask yourself, is it true? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it of a good report? And here's why you might say, but yeah, but Darren, they really hurt me. As an adult, you might say, man, that, this, you have no idea how bad this is. I have to speak up and do something. Paul said in Romans 12 that when it's up to you, as much as you're able, be about peace. Bring peace to a situation. Because you know what? God is working in ways and he loves them in ways that you don't understand, you can't see. And when I raise up to try to be God, it's basically me jumping up and saying, I'm a Holy Ghost Junior, and I got this one. God, while I appreciate your enthusiasm, I'll take care of this one. Again, and I risk being misunderstood, but I think it's worth the risk. I'm not saying you can't have a political position. I'm not saying you can't have a voice. But I am saying if we don't first go to the Father and pray about it first and ask Him what would you have us to say or do, if my prayer life is dwarfed by my social networking life, it's already out of whack. And that's not a, it's not a shame thing. It's not a guilt thing. It's just a, hey, this is like I go home, my house needs cleaned, I just look at what needs to be cleaned. That's not a guilt thing. Well, sometimes, actually. 
you've been to my office sometimes, like, I feel really bad about that. That's not what I'm meaning at all this morning. I'm meaning to say to you this morning, just assess where you are. And maybe if you're not feeling that peace, maybe put down the books. Maybe don't go see Fifty Shades. Maybe don't check in the news this week, just this week. And just see if the peace of God that surpasses all understanding can be yours in Christ Jesus, in your family and in your children and in your lives that the world can rock around you. Because look, it's happening one way or the other. And I'm, God is on the move in this world in ways that I wish I could understand. I don't. All I know is he promised he's going to return. And I don't know how a lot of it's going to work out, but I don't have to because I didn't, he didn't promise me I'd understand it all. He just promised me peace. My prayer for you this morning, my prayer for us as a church, what could it be like? How could we be different if just this week alone we're not complaining but we're bringing peace to each other? We're bringing things that are noble and true and of a good report and just and if there's praiseworthy things and we're meditating on that and meditating slowly, not because it's some religious thing but because I just know it's not good for me and it hurts me and it hurts you. Would you prayerfully consider that this week? He's going to speak to each of you in different ways. Some of you might say unplug, get rid of it all. Some of you might just say, you know what, just turn it off. Just for the while now. Pray about it, would you? Father, would you give us wisdom and application? Lord, would you forgive me for the things that I've said that might have been true but weren't of love? They weren't from an honest part of my heart. They weren't from a noble part of my heart. Would you forgive me for that? And wash it with your blood. And those things that I desire, that we desire to understand, Lord, would you just give us the peace that doesn't come from understanding. That in our hearts, in our families, in our youth groups, in our children, in our church, in our community, that what if we were just that, Lord, today? What if you could speak to us in that way to be of good report this week? Show us specifically Ways that we could do it. It'll be different for each of us, Lord. Let us each hear the voice of you and your wisdom for us this morning. Let your light, your word be the light, the lamp. In Jesus' name.